Hello and welcome to Plant Powered Buddhist Podcast, where we are learning to turn our eating habits into a spiritual practice. I'm Sensei. I want to welcome you from wherever you're listening in the world. I also want to say a heartfelt thank you to all of my followers, my supporters, my clients, and my students. Without your support, I simply couldn't do what I do. I'm excited about today's episode, so with no further ado, let us begin. I offer up this discussion, this episode, in the spirit of authentic communication. And I know full well that a single podcast episode is probably not even enough to touch the surface of this conflict that we call the Middle East conflict. Therefore, rather than avoid speaking about it, in this limited space and time, I want to go beneath the surface. In fact, I want to go very deep beneath the surface so that perhaps something new, something different might lead at least one soul and perhaps many more to think differently and more importantly, to act differently. For my entire life, this so-called Middle East conflict has been ever-present. I don't need to recount all of the violence, the broken hearts, the broken homes, and broken souls. All of that you can research for yourself. What I can say is a number of things have been implemented, a number of measures, if you will, to try to resolve this seemingly unsolvable conflict. So let us look at this region, kind of survey what has been done and what else might be done that would result in a different outcome. The Middle East is a symbol of so many things, not the least of which is a deep spiritual space, a geography that is so rich in traditions the ones most familiar to people today and in modern contemporary times would be Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. And there are many other traditions that come from that region, but we know that these three traditions have a particular, a particular affinity for that geography. And it is fair to say for sure that in part, this love of this place, 
this geography, that land. Is part and parcel part of the problem of the conflict itself. It is not the region. It is not the traditions. But it is the people. What are some of the things that have been attempted here to resolve this conflict? Well, so-called peace talks. And so there have been a number of peace treaties, peace talks. But it seems to only result in a rather temporary solution. It's a Band-Aid. People are still hurting. People are still killing. People are still filled with anger, fear, and generally a lack of optimism. So these peace talks, while they may have provided a ceasefire for some time, always seem to collapse. They never seem to be enough. And perhaps this conflict, this troubling situation that we have participated in, perhaps peace talks are not enough. Perhaps the type of peace in which has been discussed is missing the mark. So much for the peace talks. But that's not the only thing that has been attempted here to resolve this conflict. We've also had sanctions. Now, fancy this. Knowing what we know about this region and the conflicts and how long it's been going on, sanctions of various sorts have been imposed, and some will say with greater or lesser effect. Now, as the receiving party of those sanctions, who's ever on the side of receiving those, are sanctions likely to force one to capitulate? You would think so. Take away some basic services, some basic goods and needs that every human being needs or wants, and you would think that that would get someone's attention. And to a certain degree, that has had some effect, but still, Peace talks coupled with sanctions have not been enough. They're not enough. How about religion? Very delicate situation in our days and times, and perhaps especially as it relates to this conflict in the Middle East. I just spoke about three traditions and here 
in our day and time, many of the activities, many of the things that are said and done, and quite frankly, that are not said and not done, are done in the name of religion. Again, the atrocities speak for themselves. So whether you're someone who straps bombs to yourself and blows people up, or another person is in a fighter plane, bombing homes, women and children and men, Everyone feels justified because whether it's for political reasons or religious reasons, and here we're focused on religious reasons, this notion that God has sanctioned this to happen. Has this solved the problem? that we call the conflict of the Middle East? No, it has not. Has it combined with sanctions or peace talks been enough? No, they have not. How about cultural allegiance? Because there are many people who, quite frankly, may not have any affiliation or affinity for a religious tradition. Maybe they don't see themselves as being Jewish or Muslim. Maybe they identify more with the cultural and ethnic side. They are secular in nature, we might say. Might just identify as Arab or Israeli as opposed to Muslim or Jewish. But likewise, in the name of that culture, in the name of that ethnic group, certain activity is deemed to be acceptable in terms of conflict with the other. You'll find that people are able to turn a blind eye to acts committed by their own brethren, people of their own ethnic or cultural group, because simply they're from the same tribe. But has that worked? No, it has not. Has ethnic or cultural allegiance combined with religious doctrine or beliefs combined with sanctions and peace talks solved this issue. No, it has not. Clearly, we can say that. So follow me here because we're starting to get to something that might lead to a different decision. But we have to look at what has been implemented and really speak about its lasting effect because what we care about is a lasting peace. Now, 
What else? Well, we have politics. And perhaps politics is playing a bigger role than some other component that we've mentioned, but politics, various parties come and go, more conservative, more liberal, less so. And politics, both local to that region and globally, collectively have not been able to resolve this conflict. That is a fact. Nor has peace talks, sanctions, religious beliefs, cultural alliance, ethnic alliance, coupled with political action, has not been enough. Nor have laws, again, domestic or international been enough. Now it would seem as though we have exhausted everything, that we've exhausted all the possibilities because none of these things individually or collectively have done the job. That is, we still to this day, as I speak, unfortunately, people are dying and people are killing. And they're doing that in no small part based upon a number of these components that I've just mentioned. And they feel justified in that. Well, as you know, for myself, I see the entirety of life as a spiritual journey. And I can acknowledge both the benefits and the necessity of implementing the various tools that we have at our disposal as human beings, as members of this collective community that we call the planet Earth. But I must say that something deeper, something other than what has been offered up must happen, that there must be a completely new paradigm shift. And it has to come from the people directly involved in this conflict and those well-meaning individuals like yourself who have a heart, who care, who can't just sit and watch this violence on television and then turn and say, what's for dinner? Unfortunately, that's a whole lot of people, too many people, that you can watch this carnage, that you can watch individuals slaughter one another, and maybe say, ah, that's no good, or that's too bad. What's for dinner? What's on TV? Now, as I said, I focus on life being a spiritual journey. And as a result of that, my mode of communication 
my analysis, my insight, such that I may have any into any given phenomenon, is from this very broad lens. So how might this actually end? That's the question, right? Given all of this history, all of these attempts of implementing these various components to resolve this conflict and it not be resolved means that we're missing the mark. Listen to me very clearly. This is not a criticism in the sense of saying we're doing the wrong thing, that not enough has been done. A lot has been done. A lot of effort has been put forth. But still, we must look at the outcome. And the outcome is, is the conflict is unresolved. So as we look through this spiritual lens, there are two things that I want to mention today as a way to get to a deeper analysis that will hopefully lead to different interpretations of what is happening and what needs to actually be done. The first thing is the starting point. For whatever side one may fall on, in terms of who you may support in this region. That's not important to me. That is your personal choice. However, I will say for those who support a particular side or find themselves following on one side, there's one element that we must address in order for there to be real change. And that is the element of time and specifically the starting point for this conflict. Oh, this is a deep, deep river. A deep ocean to step into. Let me give you an example. If you are someone in that region today and today you come home and one of your family members has been murdered, killed, blown up, shot, ran over by a tank. For you, that is the starting point of this conflict. Maybe you've been able to hold yourself somewhat in a more neutral stance until today, until that thing happened. Now, from henceforth, the conflict is renewed because I've chosen this time, this moment, the death of my family member, the death of my loved one as the starting point. Now, someone else may say, no, it started with the implementation of this state and they'll point back several decades and say, here's where the problem started. 
And yet someone else will say, no, prior to that, there was this situation, there was this war going back and back and back in time so far that the possibility for this conflict to end becomes nearly impossible because there are infinite starting points. There are others who will go back to the times of the prophets of the Abrahamic traditions and say, from this time to this time, the Christians were fighting the so-and-sos and the Jewish people were fighting the da-da-da-da, the Muslims were doing this, crusades, jihad, etc., this is part of our tradition. So do you see that the, the starting point, the goalpost can always be moved. And if we don't have a direct awareness of this, then any type of peace talk, any type of any component that I've mentioned before becomes very difficult to have really any effect on the outcome of lasting peace because that time at which it starts for you can always be different and so if you've grown up in that region if you have family and friends from that region and they've been harmed or killed or maimed, starved, imprisoned, any of these things. So long as that remains in your memory and you act in accordance with that memory and you pass that on, this conflict will never end. And in fact, to this point, you will hear many people say, we will continue to fight until the end of time. And some might add, and God is on our side. So we must deal with this starting point and realize that any starting point at this point that someone points to is not arbitrary, but more of a roadblock than a pathway to peace. Now, this second component is probably even more thorny because it has to do with religion and religious beliefs and its impact on this conflict in the Middle East. Now, certainly one could go through and dissect the various traditions. We can look at Judaism, we can look at Islam and say, according to XYZ chapter of this book, this scripture, that this is acceptable meaning this being my behavior, my approach. And in fact, it's sanctioned by God. And so 
the notion of holy war, the notion of God's chosen people. Oh, I know. Very touchy. But on a deeper level, deeper than the other elements that we've talked about, imagine what's really at play here. And I will say without hesitation that any person that believes or preaches that a supreme being, an omnipotent being, God, Yahweh, Jehovah, Allah, however you want to address this being, You cannot legitimately maintain that an all-powerful and more importantly, all-merciful being needs you or me or anyone else to kill, to maim, and to inflict violence on another for its sake. We can no longer hold this. We can no longer hold these ideas. And I know that there will be pushback on this, that people will say, he doesn't know what he's talking about. My tradition says this. You're not even a Jew. You're not even a Muslim. You're a Buddhist. What are you talking about? And that would only go to prove my point, how religious dogma can blind one to something that is more true. Because I will push back and say then, can you, can you tell me that a supreme being, in the way that you understand the supreme beings, forget about the doctrine, forget about the scriptures, but if you believe this supreme being to be the being that it is. Does it make any sense that you need to represent this being through the form of violence? No. So if you're trying to preserve your tradition based upon an argument or belief that somehow God has chosen you and your people or your tradition as the one, then this conflict will never end. Because all the political posturing and the debates and the discussions and this, that, and the other, there's something deeper that runs deeper with people than politics more than culture, more than sanctions, more than laws, and that is their religious beliefs. And even those individuals who might count themselves to be more secular find that some bit of this 
understanding seeps into their mindset on some level. It may not even be conscious. It may just arise as, well, if I had to choose between my tradition, even though that's not a tradition that I directly associate with, and that other tradition being predominant in this region, then no, I would prefer the one that I'm familiar with. The one that I don't oppose. This cannot be held. We can no longer think that there will be any peace in a region where religious beliefs and traditions are so rich and so deep. And yet, too many of the people who hold these traditions cling to the the least of them. And yes, I will say that. That if this being in your mind, you believe needs you to manage its affairs through violence rather than mercy, rather than understanding, rather than love, then know that you are contributing every moment that you hold that belief to the possibility for more violence, for more conflict. That is the truth. And if you say, well, what is the proof of that, Sensei? Well, I say, turn on your televisions. Turn on your radios. And if you live in those regions, look at what's happening outside your doorsteps. Look what's happening in your cities, in your countries. This Middle East has a special place in humanity. And at this point has one of the greatest opportunities to shift all of humanity into a completely different direction. But it will only happen if people of those deep traditions can turn to the deepest, most profound components of their traditions and convince your brothers, your sisters, your brethren to do the same. Violence will beget more violence. But as I said earlier on, everything that we've attempted to do individually or collectively has not worked, and I believe it is because of this attachment. So what it then is left after all of these things have been tried, I say compassion. And whether you consider yourself Jewish, Israeli, Muslim, Arab, Whatever the case may be, politically you fall left or right, center. If you can look at any being who is unjustly maimed, killed, or hurt, and compassion not arise in your heart, 
then who are you really? Who are you really? What do you really stand for? I don't have to speak the person's language. I don't have to practice a person's faith. I don't have to eat the food. I don't have to listen to the music. But when I see a person, any person unjustly treated, killed, imprisoned, murdered, shot down, then the only thing that can arise for me is compassion. And that has nothing to do with even my own tradition. I would feel that regardless of whether I had a tradition or not. I guess my ask is today is that specifically for those of you who are members of that geographical region, wherever you may be, whether you're still there or spread out on this vast earth, that you start to reconsider your interpretation of what is happening there through a spiritual lens. And I assure you that if you're able to do that, that after you ask yourself, well, what else is left if we tried all these things? You can only come to compassion. You can only come to that. And if you can't, then you need to look through the lens of your tradition, of your culture, of your ethnic group and say, what is preventing me from doing this? And it will be an attachment to some idea. It could be religious. It could be political, cultural or ethnic, economic. It'll be something else because it can't be what is just naturally there in your heart. I hope that this has given you the opportunity, no matter who you are, innocent bystander, someone who just cares, that maybe you carry this dialogue and a very difficult dialogue to have with our fellow human beings of this region. I've had those conversations. I do have those conversations. I've been having these conversations my whole life. I'm fortunate to have such a community that I can speak with rabbis. I can speak with imams. I can speak with Arab folks. I can speak with Israelis. And I can tell you in all sincerity that in all of these groups, There are many, many, many whose hearts are broken when they see their brethren acting in this way, in this violent way. Many. The sad thing is, many of them can't say anything in their community because they will be outcasted. Whose side are you on anyway? Are you speaking up for the so-and-sos? We must transcend this. 
but it's going to have to begin with some authentic self-reflection and communication. We must reduce this notion of the other and come to a sense of oneness. Peace and blessings. And that concludes this episode of Plant Powered Buddhist Podcast. I want to thank you again for joining me today. I also want to quickly mention several ways in which you can support my work. One, wherever you're listening to this podcast or this episode right now, if there's the ability to leave a review or a five-star rating, I would definitely appreciate that. Secondly, if you'd like to learn more about my background, my books, the services that I offer, where my social media sites are, or you'd like to invite me to speak publicly, please visit plantpoweredbuddhist.com. You can do all of that there. Third, if you have a family member, a friend, or a colleague who you think would benefit from my content, please share this episode or my podcast with that person or those people. Lastly, in this episode that you just listened to, there is a clickable link. And if it's not clickable, you can cut and paste it into your browser. That will take you to a page where you can begin to support my work monetarily on a monthly basis for as little as $1 a month. If you could find it in your heart to do any of those things, I would deeply appreciate it. Until next time, peace and blessings.